All right, we're in Lesson 13. We're going to talk today. John's going to shift again, and he's going to shift back to one of the problems that the group of people that he's addressing here in the, in, with his letter is struggling with, and it's also something that we struggle with, although we probably aren't as aware of it anymore as they are as they were back then, and that is the issue of false teachers. He's going to be addressing the subject of false teachers today. And you say, well, I thought this, the thing says testing the spirits. Well, it has to do with false teachers. So let me set it up for you so you understand the context of what John is writing about and how it applies to us today. In the early church, so you're talking here, John probably wrote this letter around eighty eighty-five. Okay, remember I told you? So this would be about... 55 years after the death of Christ. So the church has spread by this point throughout uh, Asia Minor, into Rome, and in different places, into North Africa, and so forth. Now, at this point in church history, they don't have what we would call our Bibles. What they do have is maybe some letters that are being circulated by the apostles, they have the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament scriptures, but the Jewish scriptures, okay? And so what happened in their services is, is that someone would stand up during a service, and Paul gives instructions for this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. What they would have happen in their services is, is that somebody would stand up and say that they would have a word from the Lord, or that they're... They have something to share under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and they would share a prophetic word. That's where prophecy comes from. They would stand up and share a prophetic word. And what would happen is, is that this was a common practice throughout the New Testament church in all of the services. In fact, Paul, the whole reason why he's giving his instructions concerning spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 is because there were some abuses taking place in Corinth where somebody would stand up and, quote, say something under the, say that he was saying something under the inspiration of the Spirit and would say something like, Jesus is accursed. And, and, and Paul would say, no one says that if they're led by, because all they can say about is that Jesus is Lord. Now, John is saying the same thing here now, except in his day, what was being taught under, quote, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that Jesus didn't have a human body. So they were denying the humanity of Jesus Christ. They were, they were teaching heresy, quote, under the auspices of the Holy Spirit told them to teach that. Okay? Now, let me stop for a moment. You say, wow, boy, I'm glad we live in the 21st century well, we don't have to worry about that anymore. Really? You have to understand, someone may not get up and give, quote, a prophetic word, but they may get up and teach things that are totally heretical and wrong and to enslave you from the true message of the gospel and do it in such a way that, quote, looks like it's from God. And they maybe even have the passages of Scripture to back it up. But their message is false. So the question is now, how do we distinguish between what's right and what's wrong? And that's what he's going to be addressing here in these six verses. Okay? So let's look together at 
1 John chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 1 through 6. Look at what John says here. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in the world is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to basically take these six verses. We're going to divide it into two sections. The first section is be on guard. Okay. The second section is the issue of, of a contrast. Okay. So we need to be on guard. So look at verse 1. First thing he tells us to do is don't accept everything. I want you to put a star by that on your paper. Don't accept everything you're told. That includes coming from me. All right? I mean, because if I'm going to take literally what the apostle says, even what I say needs to be suspect. Do you understand what I'm saying? Uh, even though I've been here 12 years, okay, and I've been the pastor here and I've been consistent in my teaching, who's to say that I won't go off the deep end? Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Who's to say that I won't, something happens where I get egotistical or whatever, I think it's all about me, all right? You say, can that, can that happen? Yeah, that's happened in history. How do I know that? Well, how many of you know, how many of you know the, the cult leader, Jim Jones? You heard about him? You were old enough here to remember that. The, the folks in the back, well, even some here weren't alive then, but a lot of you were alive then. I remember that, okay? How many of you knew that he started out as a Nazarene minister? As a Nazarene, Church of the Nazarene preacher. How many of you knew that? All you knew is he was a cult leader. How many of you didn't know that he started out as a legitimate preacher in the Nazarene church? Okay. Which is a, an Arminian Protestant church, but they still preach the gospel. Okay. How many of you knew that? Nobody knew that. Okay. He started out, and what happened was is people elevated him so that eventually he began to introduce teaching to the place where he got to the place where he said he was God. Okay, and he had his word, hundreds drank some bad Kool-Aid and died. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what we're going to see here is John's first of all telling us is don't accept everything. You know, it used to be, like for instance, my, my background is in the Baptist circles. It used to be in the independent Baptist circles that you you would hear things, you know, because a guy's got credentials, Dr. So-and-so or whatever, or he's been preaching for a long time. It's not your place to question him or what he's teaching. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay? Here's, here's the problem with that, though. Really? Really? Because what I see in the Scripture is, is I'm to continually test. It's throughout the New Testament. 
continually test what's spoken. Because something wrong may be given, and that something wrong may trip you up spiritually. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the bottom line here. So let's look exactly what he's saying here. The, the first thing he's saying here is, John tells his readers not to believe everything that is spoken in the Spirit. Don't believe everything that's spoken in the Spirit. Now you say, we, you know, in our context here today, in our churches today, we don't necessarily have people getting up saying they have a prophetic word. Okay? Although there are some churches that still do that. But a lot of times we would say that our pastor, when he gets up, when he teaches from the pulpit, or when he teaches like in a time right now, that he is speaking under the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as he's teaching you. Okay? And, and you can testify to that because while I'm teaching or speaking, God's Spirit speaks to you about something in your life. Okay? Now, what John is saying here, he's saying, don't believe everything that's spoken in the Spirit. Don't believe everything that's being communicated to you. you say, wow, you're making it rough on yourself by telling us that, aren't you, George? Yeah. You need to examine everything that's being taught you. Do you understand? Because the issue is, number one, the purity of the church the influence, number two, on your life, and then number three, the influence on others, especially those who are immature in the faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's the issue here. All right? So he goes on and he says, they are to test the teaching to see if it's from God. You're to test the teaching. Like if, you, if you're listening to me and you've got a question, like, I don't know if I agree with George on that one. Okay? Well, let me just stop for a moment. There are going to be two types of issues that we're talking about here. There, and I'll use the left and the right hand. Okay? The issues in your right hand you hold with a clenched fist. They are non-negotiable. What are they? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Fully God, fully human, born of a virgin, led a sinless life, died on the cross for my sins, was buried, rose again, Coming back bodily. Those are non-negotiables. He's God. God created. Those are non-negotiables. Negotiables, what things we hold in our left hand that are open for discussion, okay, are things like when the rapture takes place. Okay? Things like what mode of baptism now, we believe in believer's baptism. We'd like to believe that's a right-hand issue, but we know Christians who believe otherwise, okay? Those are left-hand issues. Whether or not you should dress up for church or not, that's definitely a left-hand issue, right? I need to hear amens here. Okay, all right, okay. That's a left-hand issue, right? Okay. Whether or not you could drink coffee in the sanctuary, that's a what? A left-hand issue. Do I hear another Amen. Okay, all right. Do, do, do you understand what I'm saying? Those are, so when we talk about testing, it's not that you're going to test me on my left-hand issues with you. But if you hear something that I'm saying that deviates from the right-hand issues, you need to test it. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? You need to say, oh, wait a minute now. Is George getting off kilter here? I'm concerned. 
I'm concerned. All right, so the testing, why does the testing need to happen? The testing must take place because false teachers are in the world. Folks, you got to realize it. Not every dude that's on your Christian radio station is preaching the truth. Not every, especially on TV. Not every dude that's on TV is right. I don't care how big the crowd is. Because bigness of crowds mean nothing. What do you mean? I remember. Happens every year in Columbia, South Carolina, where I'm from. Every year, the Jehovah Witnesses rent the Carolina Coliseum. That's the big coliseum at the University of South Carolina for them to gather and have their baptismal service. They fill up the Coliseum. Now, they're Jehovah Witnesses. Is that truth? But they got a big crowd. Do you know what I'm saying? They got a big crowd. That's not good. Size, number of people there in a stadium doesn't mean anything. It just maybe tells you that there's a lot of people who are deceived. Yeah, deceived. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the purpose is they, because there are false teachers in the world. Now, here's what they need to do. The true test is, is they are to test the teaching concerning the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Now, what's the incarnation? That is his virgin birth. They, that God came in human flesh. For them, that was the issue at that time. Because people were denying it. What was going on then is, around this time, there was emerging in the church a heresy called Gnosticism. And this was like an early form of Gnosticism. Now, Gnosticism, one of the tenets of Gnosticism... Oh, by the way, you were saying, what's Gnosticism? Well, how many of you, the National Geographic here in the last year, had a thing about the Gospel of Judas? How many of you saw that? Okay. The Gospel of Judas was written around 300, 2 to 300 A.D. It supposedly came from Judas. It was a Gnostic document. Now, the things, one of the things that the Gnostics believed is that only a few select people had the knowledge, because Gnostic comes from the word gnosis, which means knowledge. So only a few select people had knowledge. Everybody else was dumb. Okay. The other thing they believed is, is that the flesh or the body or material things were evil. That only the spiritual was good. So therefore, they said that Jesus could not come with a human body. That he did not have a human body. He was only spiritual, a spirit. Well, John is saying that if anybody teaches that, they're wrong. So the test concerning teaching is concerning the incarnation of Jesus Christ. We say, well, that's not the issue today. Actually, the issue today is the exact opposite. What do you mean? It's not that whether or not we believe Jesus was a human being. Most people do. The issue is whether or not we believe he's what? God. So for us, you can make a side note, the test of teaching concerns the person of Jesus Christ, whether he was fully God and fully human. That's the test of teaching for you and I. All right, now, the teaching that affirms, John says, teaching that affirms that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is true. So teaching that affirms that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is true. Now look at the false confession. Here's what he says about these false teachers. Teaching that denies that Jesus Christ came in the flesh is not from God. I would, and here's what I would say. I would go so far for you and I today. Teaching that denies the person of Jesus Christ, his deity, his humanity, 
his substitutionary work, denies who he is, the work and person of Jesus Christ, that's not from God. You just need to acknowledge that right off the bat. Here, let me take it one step further for you. Any teaching that denies the work of Jesus Christ. What do you mean by that, George? Well, any teaching that denies that Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient for your salvation alone, nothing else. Any teaching that that would deny that is wrong, false. What do you mean by that? Any teaching that would say to you that your acceptance with God has to be based upon all this other exterior stuff, that's wrong because that's taken away from the, from the work of Jesus Christ. Any teaching that would say to you, well, yeah, you need to have salvation, but you need to dress up on Sunday to show respect to God. Well, yeah, you need to, you need to carry the right Bible so that you're accepted with God. Yeah, you need to do this, or you need to eat this certain type of foods, and you need to eat the Old Testament way, you know. What's the Old Testament way? Before the flood or after the flood? Before the law or after the law? I mean, what is it? You know what I'm saying? I mean, the Old Testament has a lot in there. Which diet am I going by? Oh, I, was, I thought you were advocating that, Bruce. Okay, 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 all right. Okay, I was going to say, hold on for a second, Bruce. We're going to have to have a meeting now. We've got a trustee going off the deep end. Okay, okay, all right. Um, the point is, is you've got to you've got to test things. You just can't assume. You just can't assume. So let's go on now. He reminds them. He reiterates that such teaching is from the spirit of Antichrist. Okay. Now what we do is we 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 John's using the term in a broader sense than what we use it. We use it in the sense of that it means. The Antichrist. No, no. What he's saying is, is that he's using it in this, a broader sense of any message that is anti-Jesus is the message of Antichrist. Do you understand? And so he reminds them that they already knew that this spirit was in the world. You already know that, right? You already know that. That's what operates in our media today. It's the spirit of Antichrist everywhere, denying the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Now, when we get to verses 4 and 6, he's going to contrast the believer's nature now with the false teacher's nature. So he's going to contrast. Now, he's told us what we've got to test. Don't accept everything. So he's going to contrast who we are as believers with the nature of a false teacher. So let's talk about that. First of all, the believer's nature. We see that in verse 4. John affirms that they are of God and that they have overcome the false teachers. If you're saved... If you're trusting in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, if you are a child of God, you are his child, number one. And number two, you've already overcome the false teachers because they haven't deceived you from the true salvation. Do you understand? That's what he's saying here. He goes on, why is this, why is this true? It's not because of you. It's because of the Holy Spirit. It's because the Holy Spirit who is within them is greater than the Spirit's of this world. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, is what John's saying here. Do you understand what I'm saying? We like to use that verse and talk about us against the enemy. It's about you and the nature of who you are, not because of you, but because of the Spirit of God within you standing against the false teaching that's out there. Okay? The Spirit working in your life. 
the contrast now is that with the false teacher. So here's what he says. The false teachers belong to the world systems and values. The false teacher is motivated not by the gospel, not motivated by a love for Jesus. He's motivated by what the world system offers and what the world system has. Okay? So let me just stop for a moment, okay? Look, don't turn on some dude on the TV who's talking about the Learjet he's getting. Or he's talking about the Rolex watch he bought or the Bentley vehicle that he's driving. That in itself should be enough to tell you that this guy has the values of who? The world of the Antichrist. Turn the dude off. Do you understand? You don't need to watch that. I don't care how much time he talks about Jesus. Here's what I'm trying to say to you. You've got to be careful. False teachers belong to the world systems and values. And now here's what they do. They speak how they speak, what they teach. They speak from the perspective of the world. So like right now, the perspective of the world is, hey, feel good about yourself. So, so there's a lot of positive thinking messages out there. They are speaking from the perspective of the world. What's the perspective of the world? Doing good. We know that. Have you noticed that they're the only ones doing good? What do you mean, George? Well, I haven't seen you talk about your Learjet or your houses. You maybe talk about your house, but you don't talk about your houses, okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's what John says. The world listens to their teaching. The world listens to their teaching, is what he's saying here. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said. This is in his last letter to Peter's last chapter. He's talking about Peter. Preach the word. Be ready. And he says, why? Because the time's coming when people, listen to him, he says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap to themselves teachers. Teachers. And they will turn away from the truth and turn aside to fables. It's because people want to hear that stuff. It's because people want to hear that stuff. That's what's going on here. So he gets to verse 6, and he's going to give them the exhortation here. Here's the exhortation. John tells his readers that they are of God. Look, you're of God. They're of God. You're of God. But he's going to give a test here. And this is the test. Those who belong to God will hear the apostles' teaching. Those of you who, who, who belong to the Lord will hear what the message of John is here in this, these verses. And, and, and just the message of John, period, and the message of the scripture. And you'll say, yes, this is truth. I'm embracing it. Those who belong to God will, what? They'll hear the apostles' teaching. But here's what he's saying. Those who do not belong to God will reject it. They'll reject it. You want to you want to know what the, you, here? You want to know how to test a guy on TV? Find out what he says about Job. Everybody know about the gospel, the book of Job? What's the book of Job about? It's about one guy who had everything, who lost everything, and he suffered. 
Now, the guys on TV, I've heard them. They will tell you that Job sinned. They'll tell you that Job sinned. And that's why he suffered. You know the problem with that statement is? Yeah, it is a lie. Because if you know your Bible, you know it's a lie. But if you don't know your Bible, you'll accept what the dude said on TV. Because it's very clearly in the first chapter that Job did not sin. He was a righteous man. So much so that God's up there talking to Satan about, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. We have to admit there is none like Job, is there? So, but see, here's the thing. If I'm going to preach to you that God wants you to be healthy and wealthy, I've got to struggle with a book that tells me that here's a guy who had everything, who didn't do anything wrong, who suffered. How can I explain that? Well, you can explain it by saying that Job sinned. He didn't sin. If you have that concept, uh, it says he didn't sin. I don't say he never sinned, okay? But the point is, is i got to look at what the Scripture says. He didn't go through what he went through because of his sin. That's the whole point. See, if you know your Scripture, you'll know, hey, they're rejecting the teaching. I need to quit listening to that dude. Jesus is the only one who's sinlessly perfect. Job was born like you and I in sin. He had a sin nature like you and I. Okay? All right, let's go on. So this is what he's saying. We're going to stop here. This is the test between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. What does it say about what the apostles teach? That's the point. 